Today's episode is sponsored by Podacy. Podacy is an online community where you can discover and discuss top podcast recommendations with fellow listeners like yourself. This means that you can spend less time searching for a podcast that fits your interests and more time listening to new binge-worthy podcasts. Whether you enjoy true crime, mysteries, or storytelling, you'll find great podcasts recommended by Podacy's community of podcast superfans. Receive podcast recommendations tailored to your interests and tastes and based off the people you follow, so you never miss a great podcast again. Every Sunday, you get a newsletter roundup of the best podcast recommendations, playlists, and more in your inbox. Discover true crime and trending podcasts you wouldn't find otherwise access the top charts to view the top episodes being listened to across the app and connect with fellow podcast fans to discuss podcasts you love like ours podacy has been described by listeners as revitalizing the podcast world and a delightful app share your favorite podcast with podcast playlists similar to music playlists but for podcasts Podacy is available on any browser at podacy.fm, or you can unlock more features by downloading the iOS or Android app. Recommend your favorite episodes of our podcast on Podacy so more podcast fans can learn about it. Podacy is Odyssey spelled with a P, P-O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y. Follow us on Podacy to connect with us. Visit podacy.fm or the link in the show notes to check it out. The Oracle Network. Hello and welcome to Ye Old Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stangle. Hello. How are you? Doing all right. It's Friday. It is Friday. How are, how are you? Did you survive it? Did you survive the weekend or the week? Oh, God. I didn't. Yeah, I know. She's, <laughs> what day is it? What year am I living in? <laughs> what year is it? I think is the better question. Yeah, I survived. I had plans. But then those got hijacked because my youngest was not feeling well. Oh, no. Yeah, that's right. How is she doing? She's had a cough that started to get like progressively worse. Like now it kind of sounds yeah. like the barking cough. Oh, like Chief. Just yeah, so she's got there. kennel cough. She's got kennel cough. <laughs> <laughs> it's the elementary school disease that everyone knows about. Yeah. And dog coughs in your face, your children get kennel cough. It's a thing. It's not a thing. Please don't think. And then it becomes classroom cough. That's like the the straight name for it. Classroom cough. Classroom cough. Anyway, enough about sick children. Yeah. Let's get on to spoopy things. (laughs) I was just going to say, are we talking about child ghosts? (laughs) No, no child stuff today. Okay, cool. Or at least no intentional child stuff today. I don't want to say there's no child stuff because there could have been. I don't know. And continuing with the spoopy Halloween, spoopy October. Yeah, spoopy October. Are going to be discussing bone bread. Bone bread. That sounds gross. It was. And dry. (laughs) Like bone dry, I, I should say. Yep. Yeah. Bone bread. Yep. Did they use like just the marrow? We'll get into it. Okay. All right. Information was pulled from the following sources. A 2018 Ancient Origins article by Wu Mingren. A 2018 Atlas Obscura article by Emily Monaco. 
2018 Burnt My Fingers blog post. Very specific title. Okay. 2005 essay by Jennifer Monroe Franson and Wikipedia. Okay. Side sidetrack. Is the Burnt My Fingers blog about cooking? Yes. Like history of cooking? Y- yes. Oh, God, that's so clever. Congratulations. <laughs> you did it. I don't know if you'll ever hear us, but like, I'm proud of you. That's a good name. You did it. I'm so proud you of you. Did it. You, you did, did it. it. You did it. Stand up. Stand up. Kudos Great to A-Link. you. <laughs> and links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. Perfect. Springtime in Paris sounds great, right? No, not with bone bread. Well, you're you're and pigs eating baby faces from another <laughs> from another era. Yes, <laughs> from another era. Oh, it's not the same era. Not well, the same good. era. That's good. Well, not in 1590. See, in May of that oh. year, the City of Lights was in the midst of a religious war. Fine. The Uber Catholic Holy League was running the city following the assassination of King Henry III who was the last of the Valois kings. So you you might be thinking to yourself, what about his heir? What's the problem? So the, so a, a Catholic gang just like came up and they were like, we run these streets, like literally. With their like incense, they're just like going up and down the streets. Instead of oh snapping, God, they're using like incense, smoking everybody out. Like the jets, it's just like that incense. And <laughs> they're like, they're like pelting people with rosaries. Like. <laughs> Do it now. <laughs> They're just throwing communion wafers like ninja stars. 95 Hail Marys. <laughs> or no bone bread. His heir, Henry III of Navarre, there's French in here and I apologize in advance, <laughs> was a Protestant. Oh, no. And as you can imagine, the Holy League wasn't about to let this guy take the throne. I love that they're the Holy League. It just reminds me of like, a bowling league mm-hmm. of just priests. Yep. It's just priests. Or it's just nuns. And like, or nuns. That works too. The Holy League. And they like strike out for Jesus. <laughs> strike out for Jesus. No, it'd be striking out for Mary. No, Jesus. Bowling for blessings. Totally interchangeable. Bowling for blessings. Oh, yep. That needs to be somebody's bowling league. That, like their bowling yeah, team. Just, yeah. If it hasn't already, I bet somebody in Ohio has started doing it. Already. If you have a, a bowling league and you have a your team name is Bowling for Blessings, you need to let us know. <laughs> or you are a bunch of nuns, which you wouldn't listen yeah. to this show if you were. But if you do, no, let us know. Yeah. Anyway, Maybe your aunt. Henry wasn't playing, however. And on May 7th, his troops began their advance on Paris to enforce his claim to the throne by blockading the city. Oh... Letting the people suffer. He also had all the windmills outside of Paris raised to the ground, making it impossible for the people of Paris to make bread. Which is like what they eat. Mm -hmm. That's what they ate was bread. Even though Henry had been baptized Catholic, he'd been raised Protestant. As I mentioned, France was embroiled in the War of Religion, which was a conflict between Protestants and Catholics that went on for, I'm not even joking, 36 years. I'm not surprised. I feel like religious wars in Europe mm-hmm. is kind of akin to like football teams <laughs> in the U.S. And like, like who, who are you rooting for? Only there's like more stabbing and murdering yep. in the names of stuff and less stabbing and murdering for like the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Although I could be wrong. 
It is Florida, so who knows? <laughs> but it also ended in the deaths of around 3 million people. Oh, okay. That sucks. Yeah. 3 million because of the war or 3 million because 3 million during the entire span of the 36 year war. Okay. Okay. So that's still a lot of people. Ton of people. So this siege and the events that followed were chronicled in great detail in the diary of a clerk in chief of the French parliament named Pierre de l'Estoile, I guessed. His memories journal captured the horrific events that were going to unfold. What would that be like to just write in your journal all the time? Dear Jesus. For like, (laughs) (laughs) dear diary. Today was horrifying. (laughs) Bodies in the streets, bones in the bread. Another terrible day. Here's to Sunday. (laughs) See you tomorrow. (laughs) It's still bad. My friend died. That sucked. Here's to Monday. Also, Jenny is a bitch. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) She's a Protestant. How dare. It wasn't long into the siege of the city that it became obvious to both sides of the struggle that the stores of food weren't going to be able to feed the entire population during this lengthy battle. You know, that's kind of surprising because people dropped like flies in general Mm -hmm. during that time. Mm -hmm. So that's surprising to me. So so it started in the beginning of May, May 7th. By mid-June, an assembly was called together, quote, to find a way to deal with the famine, which was growing from day to day in Paris, end quote. So they just just had a town hall of like, so what are we going to do about not having food, guys? That would have been amazing. Yeah. It was at this gathering that it was proposed that since grain stores were all but depleted, And because bread was such a huge part of the diet of the French people at that time, Mm -hmm. that the bones of the dead located in the charnel house at the Cemetery of the Innocents should be taken and ground into flour in order to bake bread for, quote, the nourishment of those who had no grain and no way to get any, end quote. Oh, boy. I am trying so hard to not make the vomit noise. I know everybody knows what that noise is. What? Yep. So it's not just, it's zombie bone bread. Yep. Like that's, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Whatever Chief said. (laughs) (laughs) I'm adopting even I think that's gross. (laughs) Just as horrified as you, Chief. Wow. Now, when I say that bread was a huge part of their diet, I'm not kidding. In the 16th -hmm. century, each person ate up to two and a half pounds worth of bread every day so your body was mostly bread yeah because it was the cheapest thing they could get yeah well and with all the mills yeah that were there mm-hmm. before you burned them down yeah. and they had a lot of fields so that i mean that made sense but like okay so with the mills bur- burning down how are they gonna grind all these zombie bones that aren't already dust well they didn't burn down all of them but We'll get to oh, it. Okay. Now I know what you're thinking. What the fuck? Yeah. But this is one of the many thoughts yep. in my head, if I'm honest. It might surprise you to learn that even though today pretty much anyone you ask would be like, nope, not happening when someone brings up grinding up bones to make bread, not a single person at that assembly opposed the suggestion. I bet not. They were desperate and in need. And at that point, at that, is it cannibalism? Mm, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, it's still people. It's still people. Like you're still you're still eating people. Yep. Now keep in mind this meeting took place in mid June. No. The plan didn't actually go into effect until August sixteenth, when the poor were already resorting to eating mules, horses, dogs, cats, grass, and tallow, which is rendered fat typically from a cow yeah. or a sheep. Yeah. And you may be thinking to yourself, how can you even bake bread with bones? Well, you can, but here's the deal. Just not well. Just not well. <laughs> Don't be putting basil in it. It doesn't help. Bones have very little nutritional value, as noted yep. by historian Gabriel Venel. Quote, the idea of reducing human bones to powder could only come from a mind essentially ignorant and overcome by hunger and by despair. Bones are not flowery, and when they are spent by a long stay in humid soil, they contain no nourishing element, end quote. Awesome. But like, how nourishing is bread, really? Like, obviously, way more nourishing than bones. But like, It's about the calories. Yeah. Because it's still fuel. Bones are still fuel. No, the bread is still fuel. Okay. I was like... <laughs> Wait, which one are we talking about? Bread is fuel. Bones are not so much. <laughs> I'd love to find like a Gatorade or like protein, like bone protein, fuel, maybe. But not. <laughs> Asterisk, not really. Not a good source of protein. <laughs> you open it up and it's just air. There's nothing in there. <laughs> Congratulations, you just bought air. You break the seal and it just goes, <gasps> and, like the mummy pops out. <laughs> That's all you get. You just get like the mummy for a second. It just like, and you're like, our page. Just like goes like in your mouth. Yeah. GNC is making bank off it. That's how they get back in business. That is. <laughs> An eyewitness of the famine named Enrico Davilia, an Italian historian and diplomat who fought in the French wars of religions, described the bread as, quote, vile and macabre, end quote. <laughs> And in, quote, abominable food so contagious that the substance having come from the dead, it's so increased by many of the number, end quote. Awesome. You know, this would be, I'm going to just trademark this right now. This would be an incredible horror movie, like a zombie movie mm -hmm. of like rewriting this history as like, if they ate the bone bread, they turn into zombies. And that's and what changed the, zombies, the revolution. And then the zombies defeat the Catholics. <laughs> Everything is restored. Yep. They rebuild the windmills. Yeah. The zombies rebuild the windmills. And then they're like, meh. <laughs> like, we saved the day. We're going to go back in the ground yep. and become like mummy protein <laughs> later. This is fine. So not only that, but once, quote, the bread made of the bones of our fathers began to be used, end quote, this solution to the famine gripping the city proved to be a huge fail since everyone who ate it died. Everybody. Everyone who ate bone bread died. So the Italian man reporting on it didn't die because he didn't eat Correct. it. Correct. Got it. But why? Uh, We're going to go into it. Because it's gross. <laughs> I don't know. So you don't need science when it's gross. <laughs> there are several theories as to why people died as a result of eating the bread. Besides the fact that it was a weird form of cannibalism. Yeah. One thing Ugh. to bear in mind is the place where the bones were sourced from. The Cemetery of the Innocents. Oh. Oh, so, so, 
<laughs> so it's not just like anybody, but like innocent people mm. were harvested. Mm. What does that mean? Is it children? It's not children. Okay. Because you said no child bones. Yeah, I don't. I didn't see any mention of child bones. So <laughs> I don't know why it was called the Cemetery of the Innocents. Hmm. Not only was this cemetery located on the right bank of the Seine and next to a marketplace, but it practiced a form of grave recycling. No. What? What this means is that old graves were regularly opened and the previous mm-hmm. occupants were removed to make room no. for new burials. Gra- what What do they do? Do with the old bodies. I'm going to tell you. I hate this. (laughs) The bones that were removed from the ground were stored in a structure that was designed specifically for that purpose. This structure... To just like dogpile... Bones, yeah. Gross bodies. So this structure was called a charnel house, or charnier, and each cemetery had their own form of these houses depending on their needs. Okay. The one at the Cemetery of Innocence was a series of arcades that surrounded the open section of the cemetery. So when I say arcades, picture, you know, like the Roman, like the Roman structures that have like the columns and stuff. So picture a building that has a bunch of columns that kind of come up into like archways. And the roof part of it has bones storage (laughs) in the attic, which is where the exhumed bones were kept. Okay, this is the perfect horror film. I'm telling you. So these... The bones were stored in the attic. These areas were open air, and sections of the roof were exposed to allow air circulation. So picture a roof with a bunch of, like, boxed-off sections that held bones, but there was no exterior wall. So if you're walking up to this building, you can see, like, the boxes that hold, like, bodies. No... Yeah. So at least they were in boxes, though. No, right? no, they, they were just stacked in like these open, square-looking type things. Oh. <laughs> so you're just gonna go to the marketplace. You're like, oh hey, there's the bone attic. Yep. Hey. Yep. Yep. That's where Great Aunt Muriel is. No. Exhumed no. bones had been stored like this since the 14th century, and this was one of the most recognized structures in the cemetery. Is it still there? Is it still there? Yes. It was... You monsters! (laughs) It was the bones of this charnier that were used to make the deadly bone bread. Did they use all of them? No. Now we'll go into the different theories as to why people died after eating these loaves of horror. One theory is that people were so upset by the very idea that they were committing an act of cannibalism that their mm-hmm. deaths were psychogenic, or it was basically all mental. Okay. The reason this theory is so impractical is the fact that people have faced starvation in the past and resorted to cannibalism to survive without later dying from psychotic breaks. Right. Like examples of this include the famous Donner Party, and we can even call mm-hmm. back to the doomed expedition of the Minyane. Yep. So debunked. Furthermore, medical journals state that people who have died from this type of diagnosis in the past typically believe that they were a victim of witchcraft or a curse. Okay. So they kind of played into it a little bit yeah. too. So it was more like their body had or their brain had convinced their body that they were dying. And that's and Got they it. died as a result of their mind tricking them into believing they were dying. Okay. That makes sense, I guess. So Gross. debunked. The second theory 
is that the bones that were used to make the bread were from people who had died from a disease, such as the plague. That's my first thought. I was like, yep, you're using plague bones. And that they were contaminated by microorganisms. So even though this sounds plausible at first glance, if you think about how long microorganisms can live outside of the body, the theory no longer holds much water. It's true. Unless it was kept, unless they were kept in like a damp area. But if it was aerated, yeah, that wouldn't be. So for example, measles breaks down after two hours. Tuberculosis, the chilea, can survive up to 120 days. And the agent that causes the bubonic plague, Yersinia pestis, can live in dead bodies for up to 270 days. Okay, so not too bad. Every every one of them's under a year. Mm -hmm. And you're probably thinking, it sounds like the plague could have been the cause. But you have to keep in mind that the bones that were sacrificed for the cause, if you will, have been stored outside in the charnel house and exposed to the elements for years. And even if they weren't, the types of microorganisms that could have caused illnesses that that could be fatal would have been broken down in the baking process while the bread was in the oven. Yeah, but you wonder if the ovens really got that hot, like hot enough to maybe I don't know get rid of zombie disease. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> A third theory is highly unlikely, but has still been thrown out there. Some have proposed that. Spongiform encephalopathies, which can be spread via cannibalism, infected the bone meal. Spongiform encephalopathies, also known as prions, can live for years after the host has passed, survive after being buried for years, and the high temps that bread ovens achieve during the baking process. Mm -hmm. There was a belief that it could be a variant of the Kreutzfeldt-Jakob disease, which is an extremely aggressive form of neurodegenerative disorder. Yeah. The chances of survival are almost non-existent, but actually getting CJD is rare. It wasn't even a known thing until the 20th century. Yeah, so was a lot of other things, though, that killed people. Not only that, but even if it was somehow CJD, there's an incubation period that can last for months to years, which wouldn't explain how or why people were dying almost as soon as they ate the bread. Right. So even if they did get That's that, true. they wouldn't be developing symptoms until years later, which they didn't have because they died okay. right away. Yeah, because they died instantaneously. Almost. Yeah. There's another theory that the bones used to make the flour contained arsenic, which was extremely easy to acquire at this point in history. Why? <laughs> It's why it's always arsenic. It's always arsenic. Like, wow, thanks for making this bone bread better by putting almond in it. Oh, wait. <laughs> That's not almond. That's arsenic. And I'm dead. That's arsenic. <laughs> Additionally, the amount of arsenic needed to be fatal for an adult is tiny. 120 to 200 milligrams or five one thousandths of an ounce. So you really could just like sniff some arsenic and you'd be dead. And the chances all of the bones that were used to create bone meal were from people who had been poisoned seems highly unlikely. (laughs) But not impossible. Not impossible. Not only that, but even though arsenic can be found in the bones after death, people who die from arsenic poisoning often pass hours after exposure which isn't enough time for the arsenic to build up in the bone marrow. 
This theory can okay. further be disproven by the fact that arsenic gets broken down and released through urine and also gets stored in areas like the liver, spleen, kidneys, and the digestive tracts. Even okay. if the amount ingested was enough to kill, say, 50 adults after it was broken down, only a minuscule right. amount would end up in the bone marrow, which would hardly be enough to kill every person who ate bone bread. Okay. One theory that makes much more sense than the ones I've covered so far is that during the grinding process, not everything was ground into a fine powder. No. <laughs> Did they add chunks for texture? No. <laughs> They're raisins. You have your have your crunchy bone bread. It was believed that small, sharp fragments of bone were mixed into the bone meal. And once eaten, these small fragments perforated the intestines of the unfortunate person who ate the bone bread. Oh, that'd be such a painful death. It would. Having your intestines perforated because you're just poisoned from all of the acid mm -hmm. disintegrating your organs. Yep. Oh, oh, that would be a terrible death. So though this is a great theory, millers at this time in history were able to create a finely ground flour, which means the chances of there being any fragments large enough to cause any sort of damage was slim to none. Others believe that because bones are primarily built out of minerals and offer no real value as far as nutrients or calories go, anyone who ate the bread gained no nutritional benefit from it, effectively dying from starvation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So even though the act of eating this bread might curb hunger pains for a time, living off of just bone products wouldn't be enough to sustain anyone and could, in fact, cause the person ingesting it to die of starvation. Of the theories we've heard so far, this one is at least plausible. Mm -hmm. The final theory is that because bones are mainly minerals, they couldn't be properly digested or passed essentially just accumulating in the digestive systems oh. as a fatal obstruction. Oh, no. And this theory has tons of scientific research to back it up as a likely scenario. Oh, another really painful way to die. Anthropologist Bertold Laufer conducted a study on geophagia, which is the compulsion to eat things such as soil, clay, and other non-food substances. Yeah. He noted that in a variety of cultures, the act of ingesting something non-food in origin was used as a form of remedy for such maladies as diarrhea, because it kind of mm. stoppers you. Firms you up. Yep. Laufer wrote a book about the subject that contained several examples of death occurring during times of famine as a result not of starvation, but of eating substances not meant to be eaten. An example involves the Shantuang province of China, which experienced a famine in 1876 and 1877. In an effort to stave off starvation, people consumed flour made of soapstone, which, yeah. What? Which caused constipation so awful that it resulted in the person's death. Jeez, that would be awful. Like, dying from constipation just sounds like. The really slow, painful death. Yeah. Ooh. Since bones are built of primarily inorganic minerals, it makes sense that the ingestion of bread made from this material would cause gastric distress, especially if yeah. we refer back to just how much bread the average Parisian was used to consuming at any given time. Mm -hmm. 
That's true. <gasps> it would just be a giant obstruction. Yep. Oh. Additionally, any sort of gastrointestinal tract blockage traditionally requires surgery to correct the issue, which is something yep. that wouldn't have been available during the 16th century. Absolutely not. I don't, even if it was available, I don't think you'd want Yeah, it. you would have just died anyway. <laughs> honestly. Like, no thanks. Today, even with the advent of surgery, the mortality rate for surviving a procedure is 10% when it comes to the small intestine and 20% if it was obstructing the large intestine. Yeah, that makes sense. With this data in mind, the most likely cause of all this death was from blockage in the digestive system following eating the very bread that was supposed to keep them alive. Awful. All because of a stupid religious war. Yep. Yay. The siege of Paris ended on August 30th, 1590, when the Spanish Catholic Relief Army under the Duke of Parma broke through and provided food to the people of the city. Oh, Forty to 50,000 deaths had occurred from fighting and starvation of the Parisian people. The Holy League continued to rebel against the idea of Henry IV of Navarre assuming the throne, even after he offered to convert to Catholicism in an effort to bring about peace. Seriously? Mm -hmm. Jerks. The leaders of the League even went so far as to call together a meeting of the Paris Estates General and propose the idea of electing the Infanta of Spain to rule over France instead of Henry. This suggestion outraged the members of the Estates General as the very idea of a woman posing as king, even if she was the granddaughter of Henry II of France, was worse than being ruled by a heretic. Sounds about right. King Henry IV of Navarre was finally able to take the crown in 1593 after a four-year civil war against the Holy League, who allied themselves with the Spanish crown during this conflict. Henry was noted as saying, quote, Paris is well worth a mass, end quote, which is... That guy sucks. Yeah. To end today's tale, I'd like to know where you've probably heard of bone bread in the past. Mm -hmm. The story of Jack and the Beanstalk, in which the giant utters the famous yeah, phrase... Yeah. I'll grind your bones to make my yep. bread. Fee-fi-fo-fum. I smell the blood of an Englishman. Be he alive or be he dead, I'll grind his bones to make my bread. That's where it came from? That's when this kind of was referenced later. Because it was once just considered fanciful storytelling. What? Until we realized it was in part based on truth. Gross. <laughs> and the story was first printed in 1734 during the reign of King George II of England. And lastly, there is actually a type of bread from England known as bone bread but it doesn't call for actual bone to bake it. Okay, good. Because I'm watching Bake Off and I don't want to be stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, you guys are using bone. I doubt they would make <laughs> bone bread. I don't Terrible see monsters. I don't see any of them eating bone bread. Yeah. Hollywood or whatever. I can't see Hollywood. Yeah, Paul. Paul Hollywood being Paul like Hollywood bone bread. Mm -hmm. Demands bone, bone flour for Everybody's just mortified. <laughs> he grinds it himself. Have fun doing the taste test, Paul. Gross. And that's the story of bone bread. Thank you. I can't unhear that ever. You're welcome. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. 
Hey, it's old-timey crimey. Do you like true crime? Do you like history? Do you think murder's just better in black and white? Come join us on Old-Timey Crimey, where every week we sit down and talk about a crime history forgot. Or maybe a crime that history can't get enough of. From the classics, like Jack the Ripper, to the crimes you may never have heard of, like the Tottenham Outrage. We dig deep into the archives to give you the details you won't get anywhere else. And we'll probably use some filthy words in the process. Because the good old days weren't always so good. New episodes every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's old, timey, crimey. So this week's podcast plug is the old, timey, crimey podcast. You may recognize the name from when we took part in the historic true crime showcase earlier this year, Mm -hmm. which was organized by old, timey, crimey. Christy and Amber cover true crime from 1950 and prior to 1950 because crime is better in black and white. So if you listen to our show, you probably enjoy history and old timey crimey is a great show to check out. That's awesome. And we'll have a link to it in the show notes. And this week's question comes from Aaron from the I Had to Say It podcast. Hi, Aaron. Hello, Aaron. And he says, or he wants to know, What do you think your future equivalent program will be most confused by from our times, i.e. some show in 2421 is doing something about the crimes of yesteryear, but nothing after 2022? Okay, I'm still reeling after bone bread, but let's let's bring this out. Thank you, Aaron. Um, <laughs> crimes today that'll be very confusing. Honestly, like the random, just like beating elderly Asian people up. Yeah, that's pretty messed up. That's one for me. That's like messed up, unwarranted. Like you just see somebody going to grab stuff. At the store and honestly, I feel like the year 2020. They're just gonna like look at the entire year of 2020 yeah. and be like the entire year of 2020 could be like a whole a whole thing. series. You could do an entire podcast just on the you everything could. that happened in 2020 <laughs> and people in it's a four season. People in 2421 are gonna be like, what the fuck was happening? Like what is happening right now? Right. So <laughs> And they survived with TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) People made money taking pictures of their feet to buy bread. (laughs) That wasn't made of bones. That wasn't made of bones, hopefully. (laughs) Just the bones of wheat. You just just hear them screaming as (laughs) they get cut down. (laughs) (laughs) I need so much breath to live. I was just blowing in the wind. It was fields of gold for sting, and now I'm nothing. (laughs) All right. What's something good you'd like to share? Something good to share. Did I already say the couch? Did I say the furniture? Talk about the furniture. The last thing you talked about was your car or your new vehicle. (laughs) Yeah. So we got that new vehicle, which is a spaceship, a giant spaceship that's fun to drive around in. Update I am better at driving it. But also, if you're on the roads in Minnesota and you see a big maroon truck, move. 
kind of funny because the trucks and stuff that are at the same level I'm at, the same height, they'll like drive to see if I want to race and they'll see it's like a tiny woman in the driver's side and they're like, ooh, and they like slow down and they move away. <laughs> they're like, never mind. Like, like, oh yeah, no rush hour for me. <laughs> move out. No, one of the other bonuses that we had last weekend in this week was we finally found like an awesome couch set on Craigslist. And we got to go grab it with our new truck and we got it in one swoop. And then I finally got to make a living room space. So we are going to return the lawn chairs (laughs) to mom and dad. I'm a 32-year-old lady with furniture. So that is my good thing this week is things are coming up millhouse. How about you? Let's see. I so I finally finished my book about what's it called? Dark Archives. It's about the books that were supposedly bound on human skin. Ooh, <laughs> I bet that was fun. It was a fun bedtime read. So I finally finished yeah. reading that. It was interesting, but not as many of the cases that I thought were going to be real either ended up being fake or they weren't able to test them at all because you remember um, the red barn murder case that we covered William Corder and how his court transcript was supposedly bound in his human skin. (gasps) Yes. I remember that. I remember that. They went and she saw the book, but she was not able to test the book. So we still have no Uh, idea if it is actually made from his skin or not. So I'm a little bummed about that because I'm like, Oh, I wanted to know if it was real. But so now that I'm done reading that book, I've moved on to a book called Lady Killers about women in history who have killed. And I'm going to look up. There's a few. I'm going to look up the author just so I can put that out there. Sounds good. It's by Tori Telfer. And it's Lady Killers, Deadly Women Throughout History. The first chapter was about heirs a bit battery. Nice. That's a good introduction. It's a good introductory chapter, to be yeah. fair. Really reel them in. And they went through everything. And then I was very pleased when they were like, chances are this was not true. And it was just to like gain her land and her property and her money and stuff. And I was like, good on you for like not just going with the hype and all of the legends or whatever. Right. But I'm excited to keep reading it because I think there are some women that are mentioned in there that we can cover on the show that I do not currently have in my list of potential show topic ideas. So exciting to be continued for that. But yeah, so that's my something good is I'm excited to read a book. That's very interesting. (laughs) Your something good is reading about murder. (laughs) Yay. So on brand. That's why you're here. And on that note, we're going to shut it down. Shut it down. You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at yieldcrimepod and on Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. We have a YouTube channel. We are two subscribers away from hitting 50 so we can make that vanity URL. Please, please, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Even if you don't ever actually watch the videos, 
I mean, I I would hope you would, but even if you don't watch you it, you don't have to. Just subscribe. Yeah, subscribe. Hit <laughs> that bell. Whatever the kids what say, I don't know. Bop bop the subs. I don't know. Just I don't know. Please. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's smash. I oh, think it's smash! Smash, the... smash that subscribe button. Yeah, I don't. Smash I don't know. The buttons. Do it. We have a PO box. You can send us something in the mail. You know that antiquated thing that yeah. still exists at Yield Crime Podcast yeah. PO Box three four one. I don't know why my voice did that. Wyoming, Minnesota <laughs> five five zero nine two. You're trying to make it enticing so that we get stuff. In yeah, there. I just decided to go full. <laughs> you can email us at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions. Mm-hmm. If there's a specific topic idea where you're like, I heard about this thing and I think it'd be really cool. You should look into it some more. Send it our way. Absolutely. And we'll check it out. Do it to it. You can also really help out the show by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple mm-hmm. Podcasts, Podchaser, or Good Pods. This yep. week's review comes from Kara Amiat. From Apple Podcasts, from Kanadia. And they say, great combination of history and true crime. Five stars. This podcast is full of interesting stories that will appeal to history lovers as well as true crime lovers. These funny gals also make a great pair of hosts. Ah, thanks. We were born this way. (laughs) We were. (laughs) We were. Born and bred. (laughs) No, no more No more bread. (laughs) No Maybe they're born bread. with it. Maybe it's bone bread. <laughs> oh, no. Moving on. If you would like to support us yep. financially, you can do so with a one-time donation on Buy Me a Coffee. Don't buy us bread. Buy us a coffee. Yep. Buy us coffee instead. You can get early ad-free access to all of our episodes and some other bonus content by joining our Patreon for as low as a dollar a month. Mm-hmm. This month and in November, you're going to be getting some uh, sneak peeks of some guest spots that we've done on the Weird Distractions podcast and an interview that mm-hmm. I did with the Reddit on Wiki Boys, which was really Ooh. fun. So I bet. if you'd like to hear it, head on over to Patreon. $12 for all that content, yep. all that sweet, sweet content. Yep. You can also purchase our merch on our Tee Public store. I will get a new design up. It's right in my brain. (laughs) It's in my brain. And now that I have my new work laptop that actually has a decent amount of memory, I can get it done. (laughs) So stay tuned. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we'll see you next time with another tale. As old as crime.